0: in this episode of undictated we're going to have a look at artificial intelligence which is very much in the news at the moment uh, with what's been going on with OpenAI, uh, the company that brought us chat gpt its uh, founder and chief executive sam altman being kicked out coming back in he kicked the board out it's a extraordinary story and the whole world is saying that it's it's at a tipping point for the world it's so important what has happened there we've got a south african expert on the whole issue of artificial intelligence professor mark nasila with us mark lovely to have you with us um, he's the chief data and analytics officer at fnb i know you guys at in the first round group are innovative but Wow, to have an AI expert within a banking organization, that's far-sighted. How long have you been doing this job?
1: Uh, thank you so much, Alec, for having me. I'm really honored to be part of the show. Uh, I am responsible for making sure data analytics and capabilities such as AI are helping us modernize the risk function. Our journey started as a data journey uh, where we leveraging uh, algorithms to become proactive, identify risks more accurately. But in 2019, we decided to look at artificial intelligence as a way of modernizing the risk function. And that is when we developed our first risk assessment models to help uh, our investigators and due diligence specialists get to decisions quicker. And uh, in fact, while generative AI has been very topical, Uh, We built capabilities that leverage generative AI in 2019. They basically write forensic reports. So instead of our teams focusing on doing all that, what they basically do is get a whole written synopsis and use it to uh,
0: make decisions quicker and consistent. It's a new world, isn't it? A whole new world. How did you get drawn to this? I, I, I see from your CV on LinkedIn that you've got your PhD in Mathematical Statistics and Probability, and anyone who's been exposed to maths and stats at university knows mm, that's uh, that's quite a challenge to to get a PhD in that. But why did you? What drew you into that field in particular, and indeed into artificial intelligence?
1: I always had a love for numbers. Uh, I, lo- I had a love for mathematics from when I was in high school, but functionally uh, the passion grew more in the ability to leverage data to solve problems the ability to leverage algorithms to predict events. Um, When I started in the banking industry, I even decided to do my PhD in uh, predicting financial crime as a statistical rare event. Now, you know, AI is about algorithms and data. So the algorithm side, which is basically statistical modeling, uh, was a big driver for me to uh, being attracted to AI. Uh, a major push was uh, being part of the Singularity executive program and going to San Francisco uh, to, uh, with the Singularity South Africa team, uh, uh, Ashley Anthony, Mick uh, Mann, Shane Mann, uh, joining the likes of Peter Diamandis in the Singularity program and learning about how AI works, how to think differently, how to be disruptive, how to, uh, the guys like Ray Caswell, um, uh, the thinking behind, you know, developing AI and deep learning. And and it builds on the interest, knowing that AI is actually going to change the future in a very, very significant
0: way. That's extraordinary. I was exposed to the Singularity faculty when they came to South Africa in, I think it was around 2014, and it completely changed my outlook on investing, on, on understanding uh, what exponential companies were. Peter Diamantes was here, um, Uh, and and his whole, well, the whole faculty. David David Roberts,
1: you know. uh, So uh, because of that interest, I actually became a faculty uh, for Singularity, um, uh, focusing more on data science and artificial intelligence as well as data strategies. And it's been a learning curve. You learn a lot of things about how emerging technologies are reimagining agriculture, medicine, uh, the energy industry, uh, future of work smart cities. Everything is being reimagined today.
0: So many people are worried about this. There's much fear that artificial intelligence is going to take jobs away from people. But I guess there's another side to the coin that it will be creating whole new industries as well. It,
1: it is, um, it, it, it's it's concerning, but rightfully concerning. And I'll tell you why. Uh, we're going through an inflection where uh, We know AI as a capability has matured so much. We've seen it solve some of the most complex problems. Uh, We've got the likes of Tesla today, uh, where autonomous cars are now self-driving. We've seen some of the discoveries in medicine. The finance industry is driving a lot of efficiencies and design of products. But at the same time, uh, we have to worry about uh, the consequences that we do not plan for. Um, and this is around AI being used unethically, being used irresponsibly. We've seen already uh, technology being used uh, uh, in such a way that it discriminates people in job interviews. Uh, we've seen the likes of Walsniaki, who had uh, a case where him and his wife stayed in the same household, but yet they were given different interest rates. Uh, the The issue about AI is that while it's, has the exponential ability to solve problems, it also has an exponential ability to cause mass damage because it makes a billion decisions much faster than what we humans do. Uh, The other worry is that um, it could be used by the few who can afford it and create a new form of inequality in society. And that's why it's important to approach it from a responsible perspective where organizations think about uh, how do you use it uh, to empower employees, empower customers? How do you use it to empower economies? How, why it's important to think about society while investing in these capabilities?
0: It's an interesting point you make there about inequality. I like to look at the glass always half full. And if you think of ChatGPT, and it's a lovely segue into that as well, it now brings education within the the, the scope of anybody who can ask questions of this incredible tool. But the whole ethical issue of where AI is going has been right in the middle of this chat GPT or open AI uh, organization with the chief executive being effectively fired by the board and then being brought back in by Microsoft, who've done the funding, and the board then, well, three of, the, three of the four members, them being fired. What is going on there? Why is it such a big deal? And, and, and how, how big a star is Sam Altman, the, the man who created or co-founded um, OpenAI?
1: Listen, it's been so dramatic. This past weekend, the whole world has been speaking, not forgetting the last year at, from this point in time. ChatGPT boomed out, and everyone has been talking about ChatGPT, but mostly um, the, 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 the maturity of large language models, which are demonstrated that, you know, um, as a capability, large language models are likely to reimagine every industry. And, and there's two reasons. If you look at ways of work uh, uh, generally, there's a lot of involvement of language in the way people work. So as a mature capability, it's likely to change almost everything. Then for a long time, uh, AI products have been built for AI scientists to solve problems and provide products. But right, right now, you have a capability that, ta- that goes directly to the consumer without the necessary involvement of of an AI scientist, that makes it so powerful. The concerns are this, is that if AI goes wrong, it could really, really go wrong. So we know very well that chat GPT is still mostly at an experimental phase. And a part of that experiment is solving for ethics, converting it from a capability to a product that can drive efficiency, drive effectiveness, when some when when, when some Altman was was fired, there was big concerns around the reasons why he was fired, and two of the major topical reasons were issues around ethics. Was he not transparent around the ethical considerations of how far he had gone with uh, developing large language models? The second issue, which was also very topical, was that are we on the brink? of uh, artificial general intelligence, where machines are now comfortable of executing human tasks without human supervision. And that meant that uh, we are reaching a a brink or a state where we've got a capability that we as humans are not ready for. Um, They could cause so much damage, they could um, uh, empower a few people, while on the other side, they present an, optimi- an optimistic opportunity to solve problems quicker, to solve some challenges, to create new economies, to drive industrialization. At its state, it's easy to, for it to be misused than to be used for the right purpose. So what
0: was really behind all of this? Was or is Sam Altman taking too many risks? Because that seems to be the, the message that's coming or did come from the board of open AI who are no longer there?
1: The messages we've seen from social media articles published are leaning towards him not being transparent towards um, reaching a state of uh, artificial artificial general intelligence, also not being transparent around um, uh, you know uh, safety. Uh, in 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 in, in, in chat, chat GPT as well as large language models, uh, as well as uh, um, not conforming to the limitations the board wanted, because remember OpenAI was created as uh, an organization, a nonprofit organization, to solve society problems. Uh, that's so, but I would have to be honest with you: no one really knows the actual truth uh because a lot of things was done behind the scenes. Remember Microsoft is a big investor. And they also had to protect their investments. So we don't know whether they moved to employ him, but Microsoft was to force the board to resign. We also had, you know, uh, seventy over seventy percent of employees uh uh wanted to resign if the board did not resign. So I think it's something that we have to wait for some time so that we can get the actual truth because there's also so much speculation when there's a very small group of people who know the truth and they've not um, been transparent around it.
0: But I guess it tells us how big ChatGPT and OpenAI has become in the global scene that so much of a fuss and so much attention was given to this whole story.
1: So for, for a long time uh, scientists have struggled to get to model language and generate language like human uh, uh, beings. And, you know, uh, this groundbreaking innovation has has meant that there's so much implication for manufacturing for every single industry. In fact, some industries will not even exist. But we also saw uh, countries like the US, the, um, the UK, and a few other countries in Europe put together regulations to make sure that they not only control its development, but there is safety incorporated in the way uh, these capabilities are converted into products. That is why it's so big. And as I said, language is part and parcel of everything. Uh, The other aspect is the manner in which ChatGPT was developed. Remember, uh, they basically used all the data in the web. And uh, there were already cases of you know, what we call hallucinations where the output from prompting a large language model doesn't make sense or it makes grammatical sense but no factual sense. Uh, We saw that it was easy uh, for any individual to use ChatGPT to uh, access undesirable information like how to commit suicide or how to make a bond. Those are things that are worrying in the long term. Uh, Remember, uh, information executes a lot of action and if it's ex- executing a lot of things you need to look at it while it can be an enlightenment it could also be a disaster if not controlled properly that is why Chat gpt as a capability um, has been so so topical across the world
0: where are we in south africa are we in in certain areas like electric cars we way behind what's happening in the rest of the world in artificial intelligence, your field, where are we?
1: We are behind, and let me paint for you a picture. Uh, the projections from AI, general artificial intelligence, uh, in terms of value, was uh, around sixteen trillion dollars by twenty across the world. China and America are projected to take over 70% of this amount. It means they've created strategies. They meant some, a few countries in Europe. They are clear on what they want to do with AI as well as generative AI. If you look at China, for example, they've built uh, capabilities around leveraging AI to drive execution, manufacturing. America has built its strategy around leveraging and knowledge from universities such as Stanford to, te- to develop technology, which we consume. We need a strategy. We need a strategy that articulates how we're going to leverage AI, where we're going to leverage it, as well as other building blocks. Uh, we know very well, uh, for us to think about AI, we need to think about data. We need to think about technology. We need to think about ethics. Do we have an ethical framework that is specific on what we want to achieve? I don't think so. America has just created one. In fact, maybe a second or third version. The U- Europe has created a couple of uh, uh, frameworks for ethics in responsible AI. Why? Because for them to build trust in AI, they need to demonstrate to society that uh, AI is being re- responsibly developed within their organizations. We don't have that, but we do have interest. We have a lot of startups doing things. We have a lot of institutions that are teaching AI, uh, doing research in African languages. We have capabilities like chatbots, but the value of AI comes from when you're implementing it at scale, when you're modernizing platforms and capabilities, when you're reimagining industries So today, if you go to the United Arab Emirates, the education industry is leveraging AI, democratized education. If you go to China today, a young boy can assemble for you. If you go to America today, the institutions are so powerful that they're attracting research talent across the world. They've created a funnel for attracting it. So it's those building blocks we don't have. And we need to come together, all sectors, to put together a strategy that defines where we want to be, a measurable strategy.
0: It sounds like a huge challenge for a country that is struggling with just to get the basics right, as we well know. But it's an exciting time for humanity, an exciting time for, for us in this country when we look ahead. Mark, what would your, if you were appointed to the cabinet as the Chief Information Officer for South Africa Inc. What would your priority be to get us onto the fast track in this global change?
1: So, uh, while we're behind, Alec, I'm also very optimistic. And I'll tell you why we're very optimistic. Is because uh, when I look at South Africa and the African continent, we are uh, a very resilient uh, country or continent, but at the same time, the challenges we're facing today if we make the right decisions are challenges that are ripe for artificial intelligence and other emerging technologies. I could name for you five the energy problems we're dealing with in South Africa, efficiency, planning and managing resources much better uh, and eliminating uh, you know uh, uh, loss of energy in the systems those are proper AI problems. When we look at the health industry, uh, you know, managing capacity in hospitals, but also just creating a healthy nation uh, is, contributes towards productivity. Our education industry uh, has bigger opportunities. We're not going to have thousands of science teachers tomorrow, but we can leverage technology to democratize um, uh, education and create a, 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 a much more skilled next generation. And if I was to join the cabinet, I would, first of all, encourage the creation of a strategy, a realistic strategy, a strategy that builds hope, a strategy that empowers the frontline or the person on the street to understand artificial intelligence, drive literacy programs, because without the person on the street, then AI doesn't have value. It can only have value if everyone trusts it but also identify a few areas that can represent our identity in the way we implement the adoption of artificial intelligence. We, there's no country that has gone into AI trying to be a hero in everything. I gave you an example of China. I gave you an example of America. We need to identify a niche area, industries that will define how we solve problems how we create products and services to artificial intelligence, but how we also globalize ourselves because we have to offer something unique through artificial intelligence. What I'm worried about is that we're likely to end up being consumers that will make us, for example, marketers of products. We're not going to have engineers because for you to have engineers in AI, you need AI industries that need engineers. So, and that has been a major reason why we're losing skills because we don't have usage for them. We don't have where they can work and apply their skills. Uh, And um, the whole world is looking for these skills. That's why um, uh, we're seeing, if you go to America today, you find a lot of South Africans. Um, But as I said, we've demonstrated to the banking industry in South Africa, we can leverage air. I think the same thing
0: can apply Every other industry. What well, a lovely message of hope to close off this episode of Undictated. Professor Mark Nasella, who is the Chief Data and Analytics Officer at FNB, and I'm Alec Hogg from BizNews.com.